Yeah. I remember um, in the early days of uh, Toronto, I <coughs> it, it used to be quite interesting because cause when somebody got up t- to speak, there was, <laughs> there was a lot of noise going on in the auditorium as people got ministered to, and it was the kind of thing that you got used to, and it, that um, there, there was always going to be noise around. And uh, I remember I I went to a conference um, over there, and the speakers were a team from uh, Argentina, and one of the pastors uh, was, was not used to this at all, and he got very offended when he was speaking <laughs> with all the noise going on in the background. He did learn, but I mean, it was it was quite difficult for him. So, if the Holy Spirit if the Holy Spirit breaks out, feel free. But just drink your coffee quietly, okay? <laughs> right. It it has been a really difficult time, hasn't it, over this last few months? And uh, there's been so much division and so much backbiting and dishonouring and all, all sorts of things going on. And it's not been an easy time. And there are still a lot of people that are out there that are hurting and uh, bewildered and not, not sure what the future holds. And we need to bear that in mind because there are still people hurting and we need to love them and we need to pray for them because, um, you know, some of them are God's people. Um, but we are still, you know, there have been prophecies out there that have been proclaiming judgments and all the rest of it. We're not in a time of judgment, we're in a time of grace. God is not bringing judgment right now. He's holding his arms open and it's grace, grace, grace. Um, but there's, there is so much unrest, there's still a lot of unrest in this country. There's a lot of unrest across Europe. Um, and Phil, Phil told me of the uh, Prophecy by Lance Wool now that um, Donald Trump would become a wrecking ball in America, <laughs> which is quite an interesting word. Because um, I think this is a time where things are being undone so that God can step in. Um, and one of the things that I wanted to do right at the beginning, I wanted to pray a prayer, okay? And I really feel that we need to stand together and join hands. Right. So just just let the Holy Spirit just minister to us. Because this is a time of unity where God's calling for the unity of his body. So just listen to the prayer and just join in with it in your spirit and let the Holy Spirit minister it. Father, you've said in your word that how good and pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. It's like the precious oil on the head. And it's there that the Lord commands the blessing. So I want to receive that blessing, Lord, in unity. So, Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. And in that mighty name, we break the power of any strategy and assignment sent against us in this land. 
we reject and shake off all the negatives, divisions and lack of honour that has been around us over the last few months. And we declare that we are one body in Jesus. And we declare unity over this body. And we command all assignments of the enemy to leave. So Lord, set in place your divine plans for this nation and for your people. We as a church need to need to be instruments of healing and hope. So Lord, send your revival. And we bless the peoples of Europe to have every assignment of the enemy broken over them. And we pray that they will come into the right inheritance that you have chosen for them, Lord, so that the revival may spread to them as well. And Lord, we receive your hope for the future of this nation and this body of believers and for the peoples of Europe. We will determine to live in unity and hope and love one another. And Lord, we declare that you alone are Lord and that you will have the last word in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We need the Holy Spirit, don't we, so much in these times. Um, I'm just going to read a little paragraph from the Azusa Street Revival. Sorry about this, but I keep on doing this, but it's, you know, there's some good stuff. No. <laughs> this, is, this is what he wrote. So the, the current of revival is sweeping by our door. Will we cast ourselves on its mighty bosom and ride to glorious victory? A year, of, a, a year of life at this time with its wonderful possibilities for God is worth a hundred years of ordinary life. Pentecost is knocking at our doors. The revival for our country is no longer a question. Slowly but surely the tide has been rising until in the very near future we believe for a deluge of salvation that will sweep all before it. Um, and this is from Wales. Wales will not long stand alone in this glorious triumph for our Christ. The spirit of reviving is coming upon us, driven by the breath of God, the Holy Spirit. The clouds are gathering rapidly, big with a mighty rain whose precipitation lingers but a little. It's good, isn't it? That was a too, sir. But it kind of feels like it's for now. It really does, doesn't it? It's amazing, actually. And, um, yeah, I wanted to remind us of prophecies that have been given. Okay, so I'm going to read them. Um, the first one was from Smith Wigglesworth. That he said this about the Word and the Spirit. When the new church phase is on the wane, there will be evidence in the church as something that has not been seen before. A coming together of those with an emphasis on the Word and those with an emphasis on the Holy on the Spirit. And when the Word and the Spirit come together, there will be a, the biggest movement of the Holy Spirit that the nation, indeed the world, has ever seen. I think it's now. And at Azusa Street, they, as we all probably know by now, they prophesied that in another hundred years, another move of God, like Azusa Street, would come. And it's over a hundred years now. So it's time for this prophecy to be fulfilled and what I want to do is, actually, because when Phil asked me to do this, I, I thought, well, God, what, what do you want me to talk about? <laughs> um, but I felt drawn to look up Jean Darnell's prophecy. 
And something I've only realised this morning, as I s- sat there, because I have, I've never really calculated this before, but Gene Darnell gave his prophecy in 1967. How many years is that from then until now? 49. 7 times 7 is 49. 7 is what in Hebrew? It's the number of completion. So is God going to complete this now? I think it's time. This is what Jean said. The British Isles was covered in a mist, a green haze. And Jean saw lots of pinpoints of light passing through. And those pinpoints of light, have you seen that picture that Brian Masterman brought back from Truro? Have you all seen it? Or some of you might have done. Sorry? Is it in, in the entrance hall? So have a look at it, because it's an incredible painting of Cornwall with pinpricks of light all over it and the angels descending. It's quite quite a picture. But this is the kind of thing that Jean saw. As she looked, they turned out to be fires breaking out all over the nation, from Scotland in the north to Land's End in the south. As these God-lit fires were joined together, they burned brighter. As she continued to pray, she saw lightning and explosions of fire and then rivers of fire flowing from north to south, from Scotland, Ireland, Wales into England and some of the streams of fire crossed the channel into Europe whilst others stopped. These fires were pockets of people who had been made intensely hungry for the word of God and for New Testament Christianity. Those who read the book of Acts and wondered, where is this church? These people would come together to pray and extra meetings would have to be laid on to accommodate all the people. Groups would be formed, prayer groups, Bible study groups. Some would meet in churches, others would be in homes, some converted, others unconverted who were searching and seeking. And Jean asked and uh, he showed her two moves of the Spirit. First, a renewal of faith and fullness of the Holy Spirit second and national awakening and world vision renewal would spread outside resulting in a public awakening lightning around the nation indicates a national spiritual awakening which would move into every level of the nation's life there would be so many conversions that it would change the character of the nation and determine the future move of God in Europe I think that's an amazing word and it seems so relevant, doesn't it, for now. It's a, it's a kind of now word. <laughs> 49 years ago, but it's a now word. And God's on the move. And I really feel that, because maybe about a week or more ago, I just sensed in my spirit that something was changing. And, and it was like God was preparing us for what he wanted to do with this nation. This nation has a calling on it. I think we must be aware of that, that Many years ago, a few generations ago, this nation was one of the leading nations in the world to send the gospel out into all the different nations of the world and we had a reputation for that. And strangely enough, Germany did too. Would you believe that? But they did. And we have an inheritance and God wants to give us our inheritance back. He's throwing off the constraints and I believe this is the time for that. Um... What did the church in Acts look, look like? And I just was flicking through because Jean made reference to this. 
in her prophecy. I'm going to get action now. Um, Acts 2 and verse 17 is the first one. Because we're in this time, aren't we? And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall see dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. <sighs> yeah, the, we are living in that age, but now it seems like it's gone up a level. That we're that we're, that we're, there's something about to break, and it's going to increase. Um, Acts 2, verse 43. And because of what was going on in the church, it says, um, those who gladly received his word were baptized, and the day about, that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. That would be incredible. 3,000 souls coming into the kingdom. We can go for that, can't we? And they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers, and fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. That um, fear is a really holy fear coming on people because of what they saw happening in the church. And it, was, it made them tremble because the power of God was so strong and so great. Um, this is what I want to see again. Acts chapter 3, verse 19 says, Repent therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that we, times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. That's kind of been bandied about a lot, but times of refreshing, and then a kind of empowered refreshing is what we want. And God wants to bring that. Um, chapter 5 and verse 12 says, Through the hands of the apostles many signs and wonders were done among the people and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. I want to see those signs and wonders. I want to see people coming into this building and get slain in the spirit. I want to see people hungering, coming at an outside and banging on the door saying, I want Jesus, we want Jesus, we want Jesus. How do we get Jesus in our lives? And for those of you that were there on Thursday, please forgive me because I'm going to explain something again. <laughs> I hope you don't mind that. You'll have to listen to it again. Um, but it was th- this, it's all to do with oneness and unity. Um, there's, there's that, um, where are we? Just get, get my notes out a minute. Yeah. Yeah, Deuteronomy 6, verse 4, simply says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Okay. Um, it's actually not a great translation, because where it says the Lord is one, the actual, the, 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 the word in Hebrew, had, it actually means unity. Okay. So one is not a great translation, because it gives us a wrong impression gives us the impression that God is only one, but in fact he is more than one. He is a unity. Um, I've actually confirmed that by going into a Jewish Orthodox synagogue and looking at their 
scriptures and they actually translate it like that a unity, not one so what does Ihad actually mean? it, it, it means, it's, it, it's not in modern Hebrew it's an ancient Hebrew translation and um, it means very simply that uh, it, it appears also actually in Genesis 2 where it says for this cause a man and, um, shall leave his wife sorry <laughs> slip of the tongue there <laughs> it's part of the doctrine yeah. a, man, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife and they shall become one flesh that little word one is the word ihad, which is unity so in other words two people are being joined together and they are treated as one but they are, they are a unity. Okay? They're both equal in that unity. And they are different. So when they join together, their differences come, come as if it's being made a whole. You know, when God created man in the beginning, he was both male and female until he created Eve. So when a man and woman are joined back together again, it's like that unity comes back and for my wife and me to be joined together it's like that God given unity is coming back again and that's what it's like and it's it's, um, it, 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 it's like that in the church um, because it talks about unity, I mean Jesus in John 17 talked about unity, unity didn't he, he talked about oneness between him and the Father that's what he was talking about that unity that the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit have because they're three, yet one they're three in unity with each other and they're all, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit are equal members of the Godhead but they're all different they have different functions and when they put the functions together they become one so that's what it's about it's, it's the same for the church and it talks about the, the, the church being one Yet many members, it's the same thing. Okay, so that's that, that's what that's about, and this is what God really wants to do with us in this day. He wants to bring that unity so that we recognise who we are in Him, because each one of us is an individual. Each one of us created as an individual. We have different giftings, we have have different talents, and God's puts them all together in a big pot and says. <laughs> This is my church. Together, we are a unity. Nobody is any less than anybody else. We're all equal. Every one of us, doesn't matter whether you're a leader of a huge church or don't lead anything, you're still equal. And you're, you're all members of that one body. So, that's, we need to get hold of this because what God's going to do over the next year or so, I believe, it's going to require us to know who we are. And that we are together, we are one. All of us are one. No matter what views you hold, you're one. We are one together. So, I've lost my place now. Oh, yeah. Acts 5.15. I'm just going to read that. So they brought the... 
other end that I don't know whether. So they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least, yeah, that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. You see, Peter was one of these guys that was so full of the Holy Spirit that when he walked down the street, an impact, he had an impact. And that's because he was so full and that he was, continu- he was one of these guys that was continually being full of the Holy Spirit. I kind, kind of think of Heidi Baker like that because she is, bless her, she is so full of the Spirit that God uses her so powerfully. Peter was so full of the Spirit that it was almost like it, it says that the sh- his people were expecting his shadow to fall over some of them and they get healed. I think it wasn't really his shadow physically. It was as Bill, Bill Johnson used to say. It was probably the actual presence of the Holy Spirit that was, he was so full of it that it was overflowing. And it created that atmosphere around him as he went everywhere. And that when you came into the atmosphere, people just got healed. I mean, wouldn't you like to be like that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Lord, I would love it, I tell you. You know, you walk down the street and people start falling out in the spirit and just, well. And that used to happen to Catherine Coleman, didn't it? I think I shared on Thursday that when Catherine Coleman you, you, um, was at the height of her ministry, she used to travel across the uh, US and she, she used to fly from place to place and when she went into an airport she was so full of the spirit that as soon as she walked in the airport people used to get slain in the spirit and she caused so much chaos that, that they had to stop her doing it And um, <laughs> but well that was just great I mean come on Lord we want more of that we want so much more of that we really do um, huh. In Acts 5.38, Acts 5.38 and 39, it says, If it's of God, you can't overthrow it. So once God moves, you can't stop it, actually. And this is what we need. We need this move of God. Europe needs this move of God. And there is, as I've said, so much division, so much discontent everywhere. These days it seems to be growing and we need God. We need the Holy Spirit so much. Um, in 2 Chronicles 5, verse 13, this is just going right back into the Old Testament. This is just an example of what happened then. Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and the singers were as one, that is kol echad in Hebrew. It means, the, I've explained what echad is, kol is everything, everyone was equal to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord and when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord saying for he is good for his mercy endures forever that the house the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that the priests could not continue ministering because of the cloud for the glory of God filled the house of God. Come on, Lord, we need it again. We need it again, Lord, do it again. We need the Shekinah. Like they had at Azusa Street, 
They had the Shekinah cloud coming into the room. They had the fire of God coming through the ceiling, shooting 50 feet up into the air. And They say at times that when it shot 50 feet into the air that the fire would come down from heaven to meet it. And it was like, wow, there was an incredible time that the biggest miracles used to take place when the fire shot through the roof. And the presence of God was so strong. I mean, the, it must have been an incredible time actually to be at Azusa Street because it's because they said that from that place, the, the presence of the Spirit of God sort of wafted out into all surrounding district, and it was like it was like from blocks away, like the, the Central Railway <laughs> station, that they they discovered that the, the presence was so strong that it was actually affecting the people getting off the trains, and they were falling out of the, in the spirit on the platform. People who didn't know God. They didn't have any Christian there exuding the presence. It just happened. I mean, they did later on, but at first it just happened without anybody being around. It was just amazing what the, the presence did. And this is, this is what it was like. Um, so what do we really, really want? Are we prepared for what God wants for us? This is the time to really press in to the Lord. You know, um, I really value the Tuesdays that we, that we have here because we can come in the morning, we can worship and get in the presence of God and for an hour, an hour and a quarter or whatever it is, we just worship and just worship and just worship. And you just know the presence of God is here. And then some of us stay on afterwards and we just, stay here and we just pray and let the presence of God keep coming and I think I think we're doing I think we're sort of here for about six hours on a Tuesday and it's just <laughs> at times you know it's just wow but we we just need to press in don't we because if, if we are to grab hold of what God is about to do with our nation we need to press in we are to be ambassadors of reconciliation but we're also called to be sons of the king to exude his presence to carry his presence to affect everything around us to affect neighbours to affect businesses to affect can you imagine what it would be like if Jean Donnell's prophecy really came through and the whole of the nation was so so impacted by the gospel and by the good news of Jesus that it affected businesses and businesses were being set up all, all over the place that reflected Jesus, reflected the biblical principles that affected our town halls were filled with Christians and now government, parliament was, was filled with MPs who wanted to follow Jesus I mean what would it look like? It would be incredible but God wants to impact this nation so much, he really does. And I believe this is why we've been sort of set apart. Because he wants it, he wants to do something with this nation in this time that is very special, in order that the rest of the world might be affected by it. Because I think he's calling us, it's like we're calling us to be um, strange, well, probably an obvious analogy, like a lighthouse in a dark place, shining out across the nations and, I, I, and what Jean said was that the time will come where it will affect Europe it will be 
transferred across across to Europe. I want to see that because the peoples of I love the peoples of Europe. They're great. You know, in one one sense, it's kind of sad that we have to sort of separate ourselves for the time being from them. But I believe it's because God wants to bless them, and there are wrecking balls in place that God wants to break down the stuff that is built by man and not by him to open the peoples up and across Europe I think I think people will become more and more open to that because there's so much discontent and unhappiness everywhere God wants to break through very very powerfully and he wants to touch all of our lives because it is a time of grace and he wants to pour out his grace. He's such, such a merciful God that he wants to keep pouring out and pouring out and pouring out until every last person's had a chance to come into his kingdom. And revival can sweep through this nation before the end comes because we haven't got that long, actually. I don't believe we've got that long. Um, it's. I thought also, actually... I'm, I'd also want to just go through the fruit of the Spirit because in our lives, the fruit of the Spirit is so important that we, that we actually display the fruits of the Spirit in our lives because they are important from what people see of us and if they don't see the fruit of the Spirit, what difference are we going to make? Um, just let me go through them. The first one in Galatians 5.22 is love. In the Greek, that's agape. Agape means seeking the highest for another. Putting others first, in other words, not you. That's a challenge, isn't it? Joy, which is chara in Greece, in Greek, which means having divine joy it's not human joy it's divine joy it comes from God peace in Greek it's irene peace is peace it's, it's like the Hebrew word for peace which is shalom which means wholeness really in every aspect of your life spirit, soul and body peace patience which in Greek is makrothumia which means having a long temper, not giving in to a short temper. Um, kindness, Christotes, which means basically means endurance, having endurance. Goodness, which is agosothune, which means the ability to act for the good of someone else. Faithfulness, which is pistis, which is his goodness in us and through us. And gentleness, protes, which... Is that right? Oh, we got this one right. Yeah. The ability to keep promises and commitments and being even-tempered with power and strength under control, that's gentleness. And self-control, having mastery over your behaviour, a kratia, 
those are the fruit of the Spirit. And they're a bit of a challenge to us, really, aren't they? Because we don't often, we don't always display the fruits of the Spirit, but we just so need to in these days. I think that I think that God's going to require that of us in the future. What I also wanted to do this morning was just to remind ourselves oops, of some of the prophe- prophecies that we've actually had as a church. That would be good because it kind of gives you a direction of where God wants to take us to be part of what he's doing. Um, Judith Green back in 2013 gave a prophecy about valuing the hoary head. Those of us who are a little bit, getting on a little bit Value the hoary head for wisdom, experience, a character and faith, and value the young for their fire, passion, optimism, and new revelation. Hmm. It's good, isn't it? That one. She said it's a day of reproduction for the lighthouse. The older reproducing, teaching, discipling, and the younger reproducing and transferring faith. That's a good word. In 2005, Sharon Stone said it's about people finding their place. And she said, I have made you to be a bridge. What does that look like, to be a bridge between peoples? A bridge to other people? Um, Isabel in 2004 said, I see a well that is going to open up in your midst, a big well. And I hear the Lord saying it's an ancient well in the land that he's going to give you. And it's time now. And he's chosen you to be the one who receives this well. That's Phil. And, and for you to be the one who opens it up. It's going to be a well of healing for the nations. And there's going to be life and revival to the nations. And this kind of fits in with Jean's prophecy, doesn't it? About revival coming to our nation and it flowing out from here to the other nations and into Europe especially. Though it's healing. Because Europe needs healing. We need healing. We need God to come and reconstruct our nation. And to reconstruct the things in Europe in his way, not in man's way. And there's going to be life and revival. And I think Isabel also said, the gates have now opened up. It's time to move forward. It's going to release the favour of Esther. Remember when Esther came before the king? She came unbidden, which was difficult because normally if you came unbidden to the king, you would be in very great difficulty if the king hadn't summoned you. But she came unsummoned and asked for an audience with the king. And he granted it. We've got our mighty king. And one of the things we need to do, I really believe, is to come before the king and to make petitions before him on behalf of our nation. That he will bring healing to our land. Heal all the divisions and heal all the hurts. He's raising up you up to be 
a kingdom builder. Not a church builder, a kingdom builder. Because there's a harvest coming, a revival coming, a spirit of repentance coming on the land. I can see that happening. Spirit of repentance coming on the land. And then God's got to deal with some stuff first, but he's going to bring spirit of repentance on this nation. And we need to be ready for what he wants to do. Yeah, Isabel also said in 2009 that they're going to bring provision to people to be trained for ministry and to pay for people to go on the mission field. And we're going to be called called upon as a kingdom resource to bring vision. It's quite important, isn't it, that we do that. And there are other prophecies too, but... Uh, Can I just um, read this again? Because I thought it would... It, it's just... I read this on Thursday and it's just something that strikes me again about revival. And because um, it's from the um, revival in the Hebrides. And uh, it's really good. Because in... in in the Hebrides there were two ladies two old ladies in their 80s who got this vision to pray because there were no young people in the church and they desperately wanted to pray that God would send young people into the church so they used to meet together the two of them twice a week to pray and they prayed for about five hours each time about 10pm until 3am in the morning. It was incredible for old ladies in their 80s to pray until 3 in the morning. But later on they were joined by leaders of their church. And the scripture that they had was Isaiah 44 verse 3, I will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground. And one of the deacons stood up at a prayer meeting and said, Quoting Psalm 24, Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? He that has clean hands and a pure heart. He then said, It seems to me to be so much humbug to be praying as we are praying, to be waiting as we are waiting, if we ourselves are not rightly related to God. God, are my hands clean? Is my heart pure? He got no further, but fell under the power of the Spirit. They were all gripped by the conviction that revival was related to holiness. The power of God swept in and the revival broke out. Duncan Campbell came in and became the leader of the move. He wrote, I shall never forget the night that I arrived. We got to the church about quarter to nine to find about 300 people gathered. I would say about 300 people and I gave an address nothing really happened during the service it was a good meeting a sense of God a consciousness of his spirit moving but nothing beyond that so I pronounced the benediction and we were leaving the church I would say about oh, maybe a quarter to eleven just as I'm walking down the aisle along with this young deacon who read the psalm in the barn 
he suddenly stood in the aisle and looking up to the heavens he said, God, you can't fail us, God, you can't fail us. You promised to pour water on the thirsty and floods on the dry ground, God, you can't fail us. And soon he's on his knees in the aisle and he's still praying. And then he falls into a trance again. Just then the door opened, it is now 11 o'clock. The door of the church opens and the local blacksmith comes into the church and says, Mr. Campbell, Mr. Campbell, something wonderful's happened. Oh, we were praying that God would pour water on the thirsty and floods on the dry ground. And listen, he's done it, he's done it. And when I went to the door of the church, (laughs) I saw a congregation of approximately 600 people. 600 people, where'd they come from? What happened? At the very night, God swept in in Pentecostal power, power, the power of the Holy Ghost, and what happened in the early days of the Apostles was happening now in the parish of Barvas. That's what it was like at the beginning of that. Poor. I kind of feel his presence when you share things like that. It sort of has an effect on you, you know, because it's the sort of thing that's going to happen again. God's going to do it again. And the time's coming when people are going to come in their hundreds, maybe thousands even, wanting to find Jesus. And we've got to be so ready for him coming. Lord, thank you for what you want to do. He wants this nation to be his nation again. He wants to revive us again, to be the nation that he's called us to be. We weren't supposed to lose it really, but we did. But he's kind and merciful. He wants to give it back to us. And he wants to touch all of our lives. And, you know, let's face it, we're not all completely whole, are we? We're just all sorts of people in different places. And uh, we're not perfect. But God doesn't need us to be perfect. He just needs us to be us and needs us to be open to what he wants to do with you, with me. Wherever I'm at, what does God want to do with me? Because I want to be a part of what he's doing. I don't want to be left out. I really don't. So Lord, whatever the cost involved, I don't care anymore. I just want you. I listened to um, testimony of Bill Johnson. Um, some, of, some of us did, didn't we, on the um, Azusa Day um, that we had. And... Um, it was pretty powerful. I don't think I ever sat under anything as powerful as that message that he brought. And this is in the, about the year 2000, so it's quite a while ago. But it, in it, he explained something of his own testimony and how God impacted him because he was crying out to God God, I want more of you. I want more. I want more. 
and one day he kind of I think he was in bed and he woke up and his body was kind of shaking with electrical currents going through him and his he had lost control of his arms and legs and there we go <coughs> like this all the time and he couldn't stop it and it happened about three nights in a row and I think on the last night um, his his wife had it as well <laughs> and um, he, he was just going I want more of you I want more of you and if this is what it means God I don't care just want more of you if it means this, I don't care. I just want my That's what it kind of feel like almost, you know. Like I want more. I want more of him. I want more. I want more. I want more. I don't care what it costs, Lord. I just want more. I want you to come in revival power in this nation and explode this nation with your power with your glory, I want to see this, the glory of God over this nation. I want to see people so impacted with the presence of God that they just get sent out all over the place, spreading the revival, spreading the fire. Whether it's into Europe or Africa or wherever it is, Lord, we want to be that nation again that is used by you. We want to be a people who are used by you so much. Why don't we just stand in it and so I think my question is what does this mean to you? Wherever you're at. What does it mean to you? What's he saying to you? What does he want you to do with your life? What does he want me to do with my life? I just have to keep pressing into his presence right now because I don't want anything else. I just want his presence. I want his presence more and more. So Lord, we just want to come before you as your people. And we want to cry out to you, Lord. We don't always know how to cry out to you, but we want to cry out to you and say, Lord, please come and do what you're so good at doing. Do what you want to do, Lord. Take us and use us in whatever way you want to use us. It'll be different for all of us. Use us in the way you want to use us. Help us, Father, not to get left behind. Help us, Father, to press in to what you're doing, to what you want to do. Because we want to say we love you, Lord. We really love you. And we value your presence so much. We can't do it without you, Lord. We don't, we don't go out in the flesh anymore. We just don't. It's not that time anymore. We can't do it in the flesh anymore. We have to have an abundance of you. We can't impact this nation. We can't impact Europe or anywhere else unless it's you. So we want to dedicate ourselves to you again this morning and commit ourselves to you again this morning and say, Lord, whatever problems we've had over the last few months, whatever hurts we've had or 
disillusionment we've had, or whatever it is, you want to lay it on the altar. And you want to say, Lord, consume it with your fire and fill us again with your spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen.